Well, why don't we just begin with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Uh, Father, we are so grateful to be here this morning, not only because uh, it means we have life and breath and, and our being in you, but Lord, we have spiritual life. We have vitality. We have the hope of the resurrection. We have a reconciliation. We've been justified, sanctified, set apart for you. Lord, we thank you for the many blessings that we have. We thank you for the, the blessings of children. Uh, for many of us that you've entrusted to us, or maybe you will entrust to us, or uh, in the past, Lord, we want to be good parents. And, and we pray that you'd help shape us and sanctify us and conform us to the image of Christ, that we might be better stewards of the, the children that you've entrusted to us or will entrust to us. Uh, Lord, we, we pray that we might be more like Christ and, and that you would cause us to reflect upon the, the gospel this morning and, and let that, the wonderful beauty and glory of Christ, shape us. Uh, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so here we are. We are in session 8, childhood, 6 to 12. This is part 2, since it's really a continuation of, of this lecture. Does anybody have... Maybe a one-sentence, two-sentence, maybe three-sentence summary of what we talked about last week. You can use your notes if that's helpful, but just to get kind of our wheels turning about what, what, what was it that we learned? What is he talking about? He's talking about character. and Not all disobedience of a child is put to your authority, but um, spirituality is inside the person. Good, good. So... Character would be that the topic that he's covering, and then uh, anybody else upon his kind of main argument last week uh, in relation to character. What governs? What determines character? The heart. Good. The heart, and and what is the heart moving towards? Uh, I guess is one way to say it. Worshiping God. Good. Good. Exactly. His main point last week was that character is determined by or rooted in what we worship. Uh, And as Ben helped us think about scripturally, uh, the thing that we worship is what we will become. We'll move towards the object of our worship. And so uh, if we are beholding the glory of Christ revealed in the gospel, we're going to be slowly but surely conformed to that same image. But if we're just really worshiping ourself, and and self is the idol upon the throne, then, well, we'll become more like us. But we... uh, you know, our comfort, our ease, uh, our rights, our privileges are going to be the things that are central to us, and, and that is going to shape our character. So that is, is what he was speaking about last week. This is the, the opening question that he recommended that was in the book. I was like, all of them? <laughs> well, what situations or circumstances test your character most? So I'm sure there's lots of situations and circumstances that can test our character, but Maybe you're aware of some particular one uh, by which you're like, oh, I'm always tried by this, fill in the blank. So I don't know if anyone has anything that they'd like to share. Andy? Situations that, that most uniquely, it's not just a matter of like daily life or human circumstances, but it's those circumstances that put your faith to the test, your walk with Christ. So you're, maybe you're asked or the circumstances you're in make you or will make you if you follow through compromise your faith and your walk with Christ 
So those situations, obviously, your character is tested because mm -hmm. ultimately you have to say no and walk away from that. Mm -hmm. uh, and that can come with repercussions in our day, whether it's loss of job, promotions, loss of friends, yeah. family, whatever it might be. Yeah. Anyone else? When I'm most aware that I am not in control, like especially when my kids are crying in the night or they're sick and they're hurting and I can't make it go away, those are the worst times for me. Those times that I feel my flesh most uh, profoundly rising up. It's like, Lord, why is this happening? Those are the um, <clears throat> well, we um, homeschool like a lot of families here. So when I planned um, something that I think should be really good, and then the kids' attitudes don't uh, match my hopes and expectations, um, or any time that expectations yeah. are unmet. So, yeah. Paul Tripp is going to share a very similar story that that follows in that theme uh, in this this lesson. Um, so I think that can be very difficult. Uh, anything else that... <clears throat> yeah. uh, you know, any time one of my heart idols is threatened, my character is tested. And, you know, I mean, if I find myself rising to the defense of my <coughs> comfort, for instance, you know, like, all right, I worked a long day and I just got home and I want to relax a little bit, but there's drama and I have to address it. And that's just... I want to roar. <laughs> yeah. And I go, oh man, that's not that's. How do I do the godly thing here? Mm -hmm. Do something that honors the Lord and demonstrates honoring God to my children. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I found that oftentimes. I think of the, the big kinds of issues, you know, the kinds of, and I'm not trying to discount this, but the kinds of things that people would die for, or you're going to lose your job, something severe and significant is going to happen. And I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm, I'm ready to lose my life. Uh, I'm ready to die. I'm ready to do whatever. I'm ready to, to sacrifice it all, take up my cross. And then it's like, well, what about the small things? You know, what about those those little teeny tiny decisions, the, the inconveniences, the slight things that nobody else sees, nobody else is aware of, nobody else cares about, but it's like, to me, like those are the things that are really going to test you. And it doesn't seem impressive in my eyes or anyone else's eyes. Uh, nobody cares. It's like, that's when, for me, my, my character is going to get tested. It's like, okay, do you really believe this? Even when it, just the, the principle, the, the conviction, are you a man of principle or are you a man of just pragmatic, well, it doesn't really matter right now, or am I going to be consistent in my convictions and in my principles of how I live day after day, minute after minute, in all the tiny little things, uh, the, all the, the minute interactions with my kids or, or whatever it might be, I feel like oftentimes it's, it's not necessarily the big things, but it's the little teeny tiny things. It's like when you just change one scoopy diaper and then as soon as you're done, oh, the other one went poop. I guess I have to deal with that now. Or like maybe I'll leave it for... Well, <laughs> <laughs> I can't deliver myself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 
Uh, no doubt there's plenty of things that, that test our circumstances, our character. But I think we'll just get, get going on. I just think that that was a really good point that you made, you know, uh, that it's those little drips, those little drips that accumulate over time that erode a character mm-hmm. as opposed to that big challenge. Oh, you know, like it's evident and obvious to everyone that this is the right thing to do in this moment mm-hmm. and I should stand up and do it. But those little inconsistencies... And nobody's going to notice. And I might just let myself slide here a little mm-hmm. bit. So I think myself slide a little bit there. And then the next thing you know, I've, I've reaped a harvest of unrighteousness. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a really good point. Man. All right. Well, let's, let's get going on. Well, what are your, your, your tools? Instruction. Grab those God-given moments to instruct. <coughs> Maybe you're having nasty sort of selfishness at the supper table. Instead of saying... You say that again, you're going to leave the table. I don't care how hungry you are, you'll learn. How about saying, let's just stop. Everybody put down your utensils. Let's talk. What's going on here? It's a great moment. Why is it so important to you now that, that the piece of meat you got is three centimeters smaller than your sister's. Why? Let's talk about that. And so this child is actually becoming wise. Instruction. Correction. Uh... In moments of discipline, correct. Correction is not only uh, announcing what is wrong, but talking about what is right. What is it that God wants for me here? What would have been a better way here? Let's talk about that. This is a moment of opportunity. Talk about a better way. If, If this is not what I should have desired, what should I desire in this moment? Entreaty. Uh, Entreaty is to plead. Plead with your children for a heart that is right. Plead with them about the danger of idolatry. It doesn't hurt for your child to see you a bit tender and emotional. Jesus looked at the crowd and he saw sheep without a shepherd, distressed and scattered, and the Bible says he wept. He said to Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, when are you going to get it? That tenderness is powerful. Be tender. Example. Talk about your own struggles. Uh, it It may be great for 
for you to talk about how how uh, time is too important to you. Say, last night, you know, Dad was really uptight. I tend to make schedule way too important. And we were three, two minutes late. It really didn't make any difference. Uh, and, and then you say, that's all of our struggle. We tend, we tend to make things way more important than they actually are, and then we get ourselves all, up, all uptight in the process. It's great talk. Be humble. Be a living example of the struggle and God's rescue. That's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's very, very dangerous for you to hold before your children a character standard that they know well you're not keeping. To call for patience when you're impatient. To call for love when you're unloving. To call for willing service when you just like to bark orders. That creates confusion and the beginning of bitterness in the heart of your child because of that double standard. Now, because you're not perfect, you will struggle. You will give yourself to functional idols. Confess it. The child's hope is not supposed to be you anyway. The child's hope is your God. And when, and when you confess that, you have another opportunity to say, we're in the same place. Only God can rescue us. And let's go there together. Rebuke. Rebuke sort of has a bad name. If I called you up on a Friday night and said, Saturday morning, I'd like to come over and rebuke you, <laughs> you probably wouldn't be real excited, would you? But... Rebuke is actually a beautiful thing. Rebuke just means comparison to a standard. That's what rebuke is. You're rebuked when you realize what? You've fallen below a standard. Now, your, your standard is the word of God. And what you're actually doing in these character moments is you're holding the word of God before your children not the world of your opinion. It's God's word. You don't define character any more than your children do. That's God's job. And now stay with me because this is very exciting. The Bible says the word of God is like a mirror. When you look into the word of God, what do you get? You get an accurate view of yourself. If you want your child to have an accurate view of their character, hold God's word in front of them. Think about this. Everybody, I think, probably in this room used a mirror this morning. You got up, you stumbled into the bathroom, you took your first look in the mirror, suppressing your screams uh, at the damage that the night has done. And when in that moment, you're actually making a comparison. You're making a comparison between the standard of what you would like to look at, like and what you actually look like at that moment. Are you with me? And you accept the authority of the mirror, don't you? You don't say, you've been hanging in my bathroom this long and this is the way you're going to treat me? <laughs> if you say that, you're insane. Uh, 
uh, you look in the mirror, you know you now have an accurate view of yourself, so you pull out instruments of human repair uh, to bring yourself back to the look that you want. Some of us even put chemical substances on our epidermis. Now, that's the Bible. You want to hold the Bible in front of your children. What does God say about this moment? God says, I should be a peacemaker. Now, if I love God, if I want to please him, if he's in his rightful place, then making peace is a character commitment for me. Now, let's go back to the situation you just had with your brother. If you were committed to peace, what would have happened? Beautiful conversation. Looking in the mirror of the mirror of God, shining the mirror of God on that situation, what would have peacemaking look like? I would have let her into my room for a minute. You say, Bill, is it really that costly? Is it that big of a deal that this female human being who you happen to be related to crush crosses the glorious threshold into your domain? I mean, it's a little creepy, isn't it, Bill? He goes, yeah, that is kind of dumb, isn't it? Yeah. Be a peacemaker. It's a better way. What a great conversation. Imagine having 10,000 of those between 6 and 12. You're just, you're just implanting beautiful things in the heart of your children. And you can't, you can't be too busy to do that. If the next Little League game is keeping you from that, miss the stupid game. We're letting the wrong things rule us. I'm about to get myself in trouble, but I don't really care. If you dress up little Johnny in his baseball uniform on Sunday morning because he's got a game and you're going to leave in the middle of a worship service to take that boy to play baseball, what are you telling him is important in life? What God is in charge in that moment That's not legalism, that's worship, that's character. I had many conversations with coaches about these kind of issues, about the dedication of my son to the team and to the sport and to the coach and to fellow players, but there's moments when we're not going to be here because we believe the center of the universe is a God who we personally know through Jesus Christ. And we believe worship as our calling. And from 10.30 to 12 on Sunday morning, we are gathering with people who worship God. That's the highest thing for us to do. Please forgive us. We won't be there. What are you working on? 
character is costly. What did it cost Jesus? As he was on that cross, he was on that cross as sovereign God Almighty. The Bible said he could have called down legions of angels. But that would have been an act of what? Selfishness. And he chose a better way. Praise him. This is big stuff. There's no, there's no better place to teach and form character than in a home. Because all the struggles of idolatry and worship, all the struggles of community, all the struggles of uh, everyday character issues are just going to be, be there. They're going to be there for you to see. There's not a day that you will go through that you don't see those in some way. Capture those opportunities. Now, you're, there's three particular perspectives that you always want to be evaluating that, that tell you how this child is doing. These are, these are three fundamental relationships of life that define what character looks like. First one is your child's relationship with God. Ask yourself the question, what do I see there? Do I see any evidence of love of God? A hunger to know God better. A desire to know the Bible. A willingness and joy to go to Sunday school. A desire to be in worship. Uh, Maybe even the beginnings of some personal devotions. It's great when you see a child with his Bible open, struggling to read through a psalm that they don't really understand, but there's been something going on inside of them. What a beautiful thing. Uh, How is your child doing with respect to God? That is the question of questions. Because if God is not in his rightful place, nothing else will be in its rightful place. What's going on there? What are you sensing? What are you seeing? The child fight you when you sit down to have family worship. The child make a scene because they don't really want to go to church. Do they not want to be with Christian friends? Do they, do they not value the fact that you want to go to a small group? What, what is going on in terms of that child's heart and relationship with God? Second relationship your child, and himself. Uh, Is he, does he or she hold him or herself to high standards? Not your standards, their standards. Or are they self-excusing, self-rationalizing, self-atoning, self-swindling? Do they take personal responsibility seriously? They get their job description. For example, homework. Do you have to stand above this child and virtually do their homework for them? Parents, don't do their homework for them. Failure may be a necessary pathway to the development of character. There are parents in this room, I get it, because I was an educator, 
who you are tempted to virtually do the homework for the child because you are more concerned about the educational achievement than you are about character development. And you are allowing your child to develop patterns of irresponsibility. Guess what happens when they get to college? You'll wonder why this National Honor Society child is now barely passing because they're going to school by themselves for once. It's not a tandem thing anymore. For some kids, uh, being in school is like riding a tandem bike with their parents. They know they can get away without pedaling. And the bike will still go. Because mom and dad will keep it going. That's not developing character. And so, uh, does, how does this child treat his possessions? Is he thankful? Is she a good steward of what she's been given? Um, is, is the child allowing uh, him or herself to all, be all too me-focused? Uh, the development of fundamental long-term divaism. Uh, this, this kid who wants to be in charge of everything, who makes a scene, who, who gets attention. Uh, so how is, he, how is he relating to himself? How is he viewing himself? Uh, does he think he's doing much better than he's actually doing? Does he have an accurate view or distorted view of himself? Does he think he's more mature than he actually is? So that, that is a very, very important part of character. And then you know what the third relationship is. It's your child and others. That whole world of relationships. Is he a peacemaker? Or does conflict go wherever this child goes? Does he serve people? Or is he more on the relational demanding side, the relational entitlement side, than the relational giving and serving side? Do you get good reports when he's out there with other people? Or not so good reports? Do people love to have your child in their home? Or not? Does, does he encourage other people or is he a name caller, a, a put downer? Is he a bully or is she compassionate? Uh, feels when other people are uncomfortable and needy. See, this is a, is a time when it's character, character, character. You don't want the first, the first uh, real consideration of character problems happen when that child is 17 or beginning to exit the home. Then you're in trouble. Here's the time where the issues are small. Most of them are inside of your house. They're easy to talk about. You get regular examples all the time. Go after it. Thank God for it. Now you got to hear me say this. You can't give away character you don't have. And some of you in this room don't recognize bad character in you so you don't recognize it in your children. 
hard talk, but I've got to be honest with you. If you're selfish, if you let yourself off the hook, it's very hard to recognize those things in the right way in your children. Uh, I was, in my early pastoral days, just a few years ago, why are you laughing? Um, Passion, a very small church. We were pretty poor. And, um, but I decided that I wanted to take my children. We were in Scranton, Pennsylvania, a place where the American dream died in 1950. I decided I wanted to take my children to uh, the local theme park, uh, Hershey Park, Chocolate World. And so I had fared away money for, for months, uh, to take our children there, I'd gotten those discount coupons from the local fast food place uh, so that we could afford going there. And I knew that we could not afford the exorbitant price of food and drink in the park without getting a mortgage. And so we packed a cooler full of sandwiches and a cooler full of soft drinks. Now I have four children. And I'm not a stupid dad, so I bought four cans of each kind of soda to avoid global nuclear war. (laughs) Except there was this regional chocolate fudge soda. It was the most amazing thing. It was a drinkable glory. I just have to say this. I'm very thankful that much of the glory of God in creation is edible. Uh, And I couldn't resist, even though there were only two cans of that on the shelf. I bought them. Packed those in the cooler, and we headed down to Hershey Park. When we got there, one of our children said, Dad, can we have something to drink? It didn't seem like a dangerous request. (laughs) I opened the cooler, and now there was only one can of that magic chocolate fudge soda because... I gave birth to a child that if there was a crack in our parenting, he could drive an 18-wheeler through it, and he realized that that was in there, and he had snuck a can on the way down. Our children sighted in on that one can of soda, and all hell broke loose. They were grabbing one another, stuffing their heads in the ice, hitting one another with cans of soda, ice down the back, pushing, shoving, and so I jump in and say, you want to fight? We don't have to pay all this money for you to fight. You can fight for free. I'll take you home. I'll put a cooler in the middle of the yard. I'll put one can of soda in the middle, and you can fight forever. (laughs) They're no longer fighting because they're watching the crowd gather behind me as I'm losing it in the parking lot of Hershey Park. (laughs) Now look. From the time that I thought of doing this for my children, that day quit being their day and became my day. It was about my comfort and my appreciation. I wanted children who would ride the ride and say, this ride is a wonderful ride, but not nearly as wonderful as that man who worked so hard to provide this day for us. You see, this is very humbling to say, but my lack of character was rooted in my idolatry. 
I'm screaming in the park. This, this is the thoughts behind the word. This is my day. Don't you mess up my day. We're not even in the stinking park yet and you've already messed up my day. Now how can I give character in that moment when I have none myself? I can't. I can't. I can't. In fact, my children are kind of mortified as as dad's losing it there in the park. And because of that, I don't get at the fact that this is not an interruption. This is not a bad thing. That happening is a good thing. God loves these children. He's put them in a family of faith and he's going to reveal their lack of character to me so that I can be part of the development of his character that is the operation of his rescuing grace. How beautiful. But it doesn't look beautiful to me. Because at that moment, I'm not worshiping God. I'm worshiping the idol of my own pleasure. And you're in the way of my pleasure, and you're going to get it. And so, I've learned, if I'm going to be God's instrument of character in the life of my children hear what I'm about to say, I have to fall down on my knees and not weep about them. I have to weep about me. I'm a mess. I get it wrong so often. I want life to indulge me. I want it to work according to my control. I want to be affirmed as right. I want particular pleasures and particular comforts and don't get in the way of those. I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. And I got to weep and say, God, I put myself in the middle of my universe all the time. And when I do that, I won't be part of what you're doing. I'll get in the way of it. God, rescue me so that I can be used as your instrument of rescuing my children. I would encourage you, pray that. Husbands and wives, talk about that. Be willing to have your husband or wife say, listen, it was all about you today. Don't be offended. Don't be argumentative. Your relationship needs to work that way if you're going to help your children. Go every day to God and say, it's hard for me to teach worship when I'm trapped in my own idolatry. Please rescue me so I can give your rescue to my children. I will tell you for sure, those are prayers God will always answer. Because he wants your heart. And he wants the heart of your children. There is a direct connection in the concrete situations and circumstances of everyday life between character and worship. Confess that for you so you can reinforce that in your children. Let's pray. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for your truth.
Rescue us by that truth, we would pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to start with just a few key points that are highlighted in the review section. That character development is hard work. <laughs> this is not just going to happen naturally or easily without any intentionality or, or purposefulness. Uh, character is based on a relationship with God, and character development begins with the parent's own character. Even before we move on, is there anything that anybody would just like to comment or highlight in their own personal experience uh, out of any of these key points that he made in the video? If not, it's okay, but I'm just giving the opportunity if at this point there's something you'd like to share. All right. This is more just the the content review. Uh, So in the beginning, he mentioned the tools of character building. So what, what were those tools that he highlighted at the beginning? I think there was... Correction. Correction. Good. Entreaty. Entreaty. Rebuke. Rebuke. I heard example somewhere. I think there's one more. Instruction. Instruction, which happened to be the first one. So I was like, (laughs) instruction, correction, entreaty, example, and rebuke. Uh, I was going to do an example of each one poorly done versus well done. We We don't need to do that. But I just wanted to highlight that there... There's good ways and bad ways to do any one of these. Uh, So you might do, and he's well, entreaty's okay. So you might be like, Billy, you're driving me crazy. Please stop. Like, mommy's gonna lose her mind if you do this one more time. Well, that that's not a good entreaty. You're you're pleading with your child, but you're pleading with them based around what you (laughs) and and your comfort and and what is good and easy for you, rather than saying you know age appropriate way, Billy the things you're leading, the path you're walking down leads to destruction. You're, you're dishonoring God. You're in rebellion against Him. Uh, this is not a way. This doesn't lead to a life of joy or fullness. The things that you're seeking, you know, it's, you're not going there by doing these things. Please turn and, and, and see what God has said and, and obey Him, repent and, and follow Him. That's different than just a you're, you're driving me crazy, please stop. <laughs> so, and that could be true for uh, any one of these. <clears throat> then he, he mentioned after that, uh, so we're trying to develop character in our children, but how do we evaluate that? What are the parameters? What, what are the things that we look at to determine whether or not character is being developed? And he mentioned these, there's three perspectives. So, so what are those three perspectives that we want to look at? Child's relationship with God. Good. Child's relationship with God. So, vertical. And what else? Child's relationship with self. Self. So, is this inward? Or I should say upward. Inward. And then there's one more. Others. Others. Yeah. So, we got their upward relationship with God. Inward in relationship to themselves. And outward in relationship towards others. And I mean, in reality, this is not unique at all to children. We could ask that about ourselves. <laughs> you know, how am I relating to God? How am I relating to myself and the things that, that God has entrusted to me? Uh, my view of myself, 
And then lastly, how am I relating towards others? Any content, I'm just giving you guys an open floor here. Any content within these three things that, that he highlighted? I need to preface it. I know I don't always understand things well. Okay? Mm -hmm. But entreaty, I seem to have an issue with. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's just me. But I can't beg my child to repent. I can't beg my child or plead with my child mm -hmm. to change their ways. I can point out to them this the path they're on least destruction. Mm -hmm. And then teach them yeah. how to seek out the relationship with the Lord, right? And I obviously need to be praying for that person, praying for my child, doing, doing all the other things. But yeah. ultimately, the Lord is going to have to change their heart to, in order to create repentance and you know a new life. So, am I misunderstanding the Um. I don't know, but I, w I would say, I don't know if you're misunderstanding it or not, but I would say that you do have places in Scripture, for example, in 2 Corinthians 5, because I, I thought about this too, and biblical precedent for that, and this was a text that came to my mind. Um, this is at the end of 2 Corinthians 5. Well, in, in verse 11, he says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Uh, but then he goes on, and at the end of the section of chapter 5, he says, Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And that word implore could easily be translated, translated plead or entreat even. Um, so I, I think you have here, and then and you write, or you just read the, the whole tone of, of 2 Corinthians or even 1 Corinthians uh, Paul says, I wrote to you with many tears, and, and he's oftentimes pleading with them. And that's the language he uses here. I implore everyone, be saved. Uh, and, and it's just a, it's an exhortation, but it's, it's framed in a, a plea for them, for their eternal soul and, and for their welfare. So I, I think there's probably, yeah, maybe, maybe not as I thought about it. You know, maybe I wouldn't plead with my, in that way, with my six-year-old. But maybe I, I can imagine, you know, getting up to older ages seems more appropriate, 15, 16, where as you have that relationship between they're, they're leaving the home, they're becoming more autonomous uh, just by nature of their age. And, and, and in that sense, maybe plead, entreaty becomes more appropriate. So I, I can kind of understand maybe some of the tension you have of they're, they're your children. Yeah, may, maybe some wisdom in how that's applied. Um, I mean, something like Please think about what you're doing or what you're saying could be considered an entreaty. Mm -hmm. um, and you're not begging them 